This podcast is brought to you by Amicus Attorney, developers of legal practice management software. Let Amicus help you run your practice so you can focus on what you do best, practice law. Visit amicusattorney.com and get started today. Lawyers get many messages that self-care is important, but sometimes it's hard to be mindful of that, particularly if you're in the middle of a situation where you're feeling a significant amount of anxiety. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, I'm speaking with Gina Cho, who, besides representing consumers on debt issues, teaches meditation and mindfulness to attorneys. Welcome to the show, Gina. Thank you, Stephanie. I wanted to ask you, first off, I would imagine with your practice, you have a lot of people you're helping who are in the midst of a lot of anxiety themselves and have a lot of emotions, or whether they're filing bankruptcy or fighting off a foreclosure. And it seems like when you do that sort of work, helping clients in that boat, it's real hard not to take the stress and the emotions with you home when you're not working. Have you found that? And has your meditation practice really helped you not take that much? And tell us how, how does that work? Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things about what they don't teach you in law school is that as lawyers, we're in the suffering business, right? We don't, rarely do clients come to us with happy news. I mean, I suppose there are some practice areas where that's true, but for majority of the cases, clients come to us sort of at their worst moment, at their, you know, when they're really um, in a dire situation. It's not like they go and see a bankruptcy attorney for the fun of it. And so oftentimes I'll have clients that are just in, you know, really, really deep distress. Um, they, you know, may have perhaps invested in, a wrong business or you know they were trying to sort of bring their dream to light by starting something and it just didn't work you know maybe it was just bad economy bad business planning whatever it can be um all the way through someone that literally liquidated all of their life savings and um, borrowed every dime that they can to try to put their child through an experimental treatment program, which not only failed, but now they're sort of faced with this prospect of filing for bankruptcy. And what I found to be so difficult is to find that balance where I am there for the client as he or she is you know, just kind of expressing their deep sense of despair and sadness and to not completely lose myself in their suffering, but at the same time, not to completely detach myself either. And I think that's uh, a common sort of self-protection mechanism. And when we are practicing mindfulness, what we're doing is recognizing um, what is happening in the moment. And of course, you know, when the client leaves the office, that moment has passed. So as that ability to constantly bring ourselves back to the present moment really helps us let go of, you know, whatever we witnessed previously. And, you know, I think lawyers can do this all the time where we're thinking about some case that we lost 10 years ago or worrying about some future event. Um, so I think mindfulness is really helpful and from that perspective and allowing us to be with the difficulties of our clients without completely losing ourselves in it. So perhaps I know you mentioned, and I think this is true, someone might be beating themselves up over a motion they lost five years ago and felt, you know, like they were embarrassed in front of the judge. And we also tend to worry about, well, what happens if I mess this motion up? Mm -hmm. So is perhaps being mindful is an issue of thinking, you know, that happened in the past. 
I made a mistake. I'm going to own it and move on. And also telling yourself, all I can control is doing the best job possible on this motion. So I'm not going to worry about screwing up. I'm going to focus on doing it right and doing the best job I can. Is that part of it? Yeah, absolutely. And and also, I think there is this practice of um, being a little bit kinder, so bringing compassion into the picture. So I think what happens, and this was certainly true for me, is you know I'll lose emotion, and it may be because of an error on my part or an oversight or you know something where I could have done things differently or better, or it could just be that the facts weren't on my side or the law wasn't on my side or the judge was, you know, was going to rule for the other party or whatnot. And like, how do we interpret that? Right. Because if I interpret that as I'm a lousy lawyer and sort of play that narrative in my mind, then our mind will constantly sort of go down that path over and over and over again, where you're almost, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, So really just, you know, saying to yourself, you know, I did the best that I could under that circumstances and maybe the outcome wasn't what I was hoping for, but now I can really, you know, I can either sort of waste my precious mental energy and resources on thinking about something that happened in the past, or I can redirect all of that energy towards working on what is in front of me right now and doing the best that I can. But it seems to me many say that a huge part of self-care is being kind to yourself, as you mentioned, but I also think the profession, speaking generally, tends to be, it, it tends to draw people who are incredibly hard on themselves. And you might say, okay, I need to be kinder to myself. But sometimes I think there might be this little nagging voice in your head that's like, oh, you're being too easy on yourself. Mm-hmm. So what advice do you have about how lawyers can be more kind to themselves? Because oftentimes I think if you start being more kind to yourself and less judgmental about yourself, you start being kind to others just naturally. It just kind of flows. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'd like to actually suggest a practice that everyone can do. It'll only take a minute or two um, throughout the day. But actually just whenever you sort of pause, um, you know, maybe you're getting up to get a glass of water or a tea or whenever you just sort of have those moments where you can remember to do this practice, you can just ask yourself the simple question of how can I be kind to myself? And really the point of the exercise isn't to come up with the list of shoulds, right? So if you notice like, well, I should be eating more kale and I should be going to the gym and I should be spending more time with my spouse or my significant other, so on and so forth, then those are not the type of practices that we want to engage. But really kind of inviting this idea of, yes, being kind to myself is part of my self-care practice. And just posing that question um, really had a very profound influence on my life. And a lot of times it was just something like, you know what, you've been sitting at this desk for the last three hours working on the same motion. And maybe the best thing you can do is just walk around the block for 10 minutes. Um, So really kind of, you know, figuring out ways of incorporating those little moments of self-care throughout your day. And that can only happen starting with awareness. And by asking yourself that question, how can I be kind to myself? You're inviting that awareness into your life. Do you think it is hard for a lot of lawyers to recognize and to be kind to themselves? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, Why just, do you think that is? <laughs> I think even just the way our legal system is set up, you know, there's always a loser and there's a winner. And there is this sense that if I think you sort of nailed this on the head previously, um, that if you are kind to yourself, then you'll just be a slacker. I think that's really the fear that we'll lose our edge, we'll go soft. And um, and I had one lawyer ask me, well, if I'm kind to myself, then how, you know, what would stop me from sitting in front of the TV for eight hours straight eating pint after pint of ice cream? And I paused and I asked her, I said, well, if you were truly being kind to yourself, would you treat yourself that way? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course she said, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> being kind to yourself is not eating your feelings. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so you have a background in meditation. Can you tell me what are some ways that meditation can help lawyers in terms of self-care and cutting back on anxiety in their lives? Yeah, um, there are lots of studies that show the practice of meditation will decrease how we experience and handle different stressful or anxiety-provoking situations. So it's not that those events go away magically. It's we are changing our responses to those um, triggering events, whether that be triggering anxiety or stress. The other way meditation is really helpful is that it's literally a way that we can train our brain to increase focus and concentration, which is, of course, our sort of stock and trade. It's our ability to engage in deep thinking, deep work. So I think meditation and mindfulness is useful for lawyers um, in those two aspects. And, you know, from a self-care perspective, I think just that sort of constant awareness of how you are physically, emotionally, psychologically, and just being more in tune with yourself naturally opens up that possibility of incorporating more self-care into your life. Can you estimate how much time one should meditate daily for it to be a meaningful experience? As long or as short of a time you can realistically fit into your daily schedule. Um, The question you're asking me is one that I get often, and I think it's an excellent question. Everyone wants to know, well, what's sort of the optimal dosage for meditation? Because I want to gain all of these benefits. But you can only gain the benefits by practicing on a regular basis, on a very consistent basis, something very close to a daily practice. And so I can be prescriptive and say, well, everyone should meditate for half an hour a day, but that's not going to be realistic for most folks. So I tell everyone, start with two minutes, right? Start with two minutes, try it for a week, and then reevaluate and ask yourself, you know, did two minutes feel like a good amount of time? Can I do more? Um, Or do I want to continue doing two minutes for another week? And I say two minutes because everyone can find two minutes in their very busy day to pause and to just give your mind a break. So, you know, that's sort of, it may sound like I'm sort of being non-responsive, but yeah, it really, I'm finding what works for you. And this is such a self-guided and personal experience for everyone. So, you know, finding what works for you, I think is really the key. Um, some, a lot of people also ask me, well, when should I meditate? And again, it's whenever you can realistically fit it into your schedules. For some people that's getting up 10 minutes earlier in the morning before, you know, the, the busyness of the day gets gets um, started. For other people, it's sitting in their car before they walk into the office. For some people, it's they walk into the office, they close the door and they meditate. You know, so w- whatever works for your schedule. 
And you mentioned the two minutes to start. Is it possible for most people to calm their mind in two minutes? With regular and daily practice, yeah, there's a researcher out of Harvard. Um, he wrote a book titled The Happiness Advantage, and his research indicates that just by meditating for two minutes on a daily basis for 21 days, you can actually increase and notice a sense of an increase of happiness in your life. So yeah, there are actually research to back up the fact that two minutes is effective, but really you have to do the practice. It's, um, it's sort of my takeaway message. Interesting. Can you multitask? Can you combine meditation with exercise? No, I think meditation, it's really, um, you know, you should treat it like it's a very special time in your day where you sort of, you know, come ready to like engage with your own mind and, and spend a little bit of time with yourself. So, you know, just doing one thing, I think, is um, probably the best method. Okay. Um, and I'm curious, this doesn't relate directly to self-care and anxiety, but I think it can help alleviate both of those things. And what I'm going to ask you about is uh, being able to read people and get a better sense of where they're coming from. I'm curious if practicing meditation and maybe tuning in to how one can be more mindful, does that help you read people and assess situations better in the workplace, which, you know, in many ways, perhaps could cut back on anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And really, the core of being mindful is to be with what is happening in the moment. So, for example, there, you know, I do bankruptcy, and um, even though bankruptcy is a fairly administrative process, I still have to deal with opposing counsel. And sometimes those relationships can become very difficult over time, especially if we have difficult cases together. And just being able to approach that particular interaction with sort of this um, openness to see what is going to happen rather than have that narrative of saying, well, she's always a difficult person, so therefore I expect her to be difficult. So really sort of giving you know, whatever is actually happening, it's full attention rather than getting stuck in our head. Um, I've also found that this to be really helpful in the courtroom because, you know, there are so many, it's like, you know, the ball is just bouncing back and forth. The judge is speaking and the opposing counsel is speaking. And then all of a sudden it's your turn to speak. And it's, there's a lot of different activities that you have to keep track of. And what I've certainly found myself doing, and I also notice in other attorneys is that like the judge will start to ask a question or will start start to say something and you tune out from what the judge is saying because you're preparing your response. And then as soon as the judge is finished speaking, you say whatever it is that you just rehearsed in your head. And then the judge might say, well, no, like you are not being responsive because I started to say that thing that you're addressing right now, but then I then finished by saying X, Y, and Z. So rather than kind of always get trapped in your head about, you know, what am I going to say next? What am I going to do next? By just allowing ourselves to be with what is happening in that moment. So fully listening to what the judge is saying or asking, fully listening to what the opposing counsel is saying, and then just taking a moment, you know, just a, it can just be like a moment to just inhale and then exhale, and then figuring out what your response is going to be, and then to say it. And I think that makes you be a more thoughtful lawyer and also a, a more thoughtful human being. Right. And then if you do what you just said, then you don't have that moment where five years from now you reflect on being embarrassed in front of the judge. 
Yeah, or or perhaps less often, <laughs> right? Everyone's going to be embarrassed in front of the judge sometimes if they're litigators. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss the idea of having a beginner's mind and how that might be able to help you both for calmness and being a better lawyer. These days, law firms need to do more with less. Making this happen requires efficient, cost-effective tools that work the way you do. Available as a desktop or cloud solution, Amicus Attorney Practice Management Software improves the organization of your firm and drives your bottom line. Visit amicusattorney.com to discover how you can join the thousands of lawyers who rely on Amicus every day to run their practices. And we're back. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, Gina Cho is speaking with us about self-care for lawyers to ease anxiety and how meditation and learning how to be more mindful can often figure in. Now, Gina, I read an article where you mentioned having a beginner's mind, and it was explained as having an open mind and not letting past experiences strongly influence the situation at hand. Assuming that I got that right, can you tell us a bit more about it or clarify how you see it? Sure. So beginner's mind, I think you explained it beautifully, is really approaching each situation with curiosity and also with this sort of fresh eyes. And as I was explaining earlier, we have this tendency to allow past experiences to strongly influence how we view a situation, how we approach a situation in a particular way. Um, So maybe I can just give you a quick example. So before I started practicing mindfulness, there was this one counsel. And, you know, of course, when you practice law, you often come across the same attorney over and over and over again. And and this particular attorney and I, we just would butt heads. It was just like a bad, I don't know, it's like oil and vinegar, just bad chemistry or something. It was just like everything he said would just get under my skin. And I certainly knew everything I was saying to him would get under his skin. And we had many, many cases together over the years. And once I started practicing mindfulness, I had this moment one day where I checked my email. I think it was like first thing Monday morning and it was just full of, you know, angry frustration and just going on and on and on. It was like a two page email. And, you know, and I just sort of did my knee jerk reaction response where I, I think I just wrote the word no and I was going to respond and send it back. And I just paused for a second and I thought, you know, is there a different approach that I can take in this situation? Is there some other interpretation? Can I look at this from a different light? And then I thought, you know, maybe he just had a really tough weekend um, or, you know, something is happening in his life where he's just being really hostile or, or, or maybe he's reacting to all of my previous emails where we were literally, we're going back and forth on these sort of email wars where we were trying to win, um, win the email battle. <laughs> um, and so I just responded back to him and I said, you know, happy Monday to you. How was your weekend? Um, can we, can we, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the email and, um, can we find a time perhaps sometime later this week? Cause I, you know, I would like to understand your client's position better. And, and from that moment on, our relationship actually changed. And it's not that we didn't. Well, what, how did he respond? Well, he actually responded and he said, oh, you know, the weekend was um, okay. I took my kids to soccer practice and my son like sprained his ankle. And I was like, oh, 
okay, so you are a human. <laughs> You're not this awful robot that I have to deal with on a regular basis. And um, and just that kind of, you know, I guess just a little bit of um, humanity, a little bit of kindness really um, helped to change our relationship. But that wouldn't have been possible if I continue to let the old narrative play in my head. And I think we all have these narratives or these storylines that we just repeat over and over and over again. And we don't necessarily pause to examine them or challenge them. Um, And I think that's what having a beginner's mind is all about. And it seems like for a lot of lawyers who have significant anxiety about work, either with colleagues or opposing counsel, I mean, first off, I'd say certainly probably there is a lot of anxiety over emails with those <laughs> those parties. But I think you bring up a really good point. And, you know, if you do have anxiety with certain people you work with or for and the energy just feels off, I mean, that's really hard. So do you think that in terms of bringing in more self-care, it's that beginner's mind aspect that you mentioned, or maybe reframing situations. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that we learn through mindfulness practice is we gain wisdom, um, you know, and we and we can start to view situations with more clarity. And so, you know, I think those two things combined are really helpful, um, especially when we talk about things like anxiety. Um, you know, I obviously wrote the book, The Anxious Lawyer, because I was suffering from really strong and severe anxiety. And, you know, when I start to sort of unpack, well, what is this thing, anxiety? Um, what I notice is, you know, it's sort of um, a, a swirl of different things. So one is being incredibly um harsh with myself, that idea of perfection. So if I don't achieve perfection, then the opposite is always just being a failure and not recognizing that there are all kinds of shades of various levels of success and of various levels of failure. And also this um, anticipation that whatever I do, I'm going to be lousy at it. Um, and you know, for me, that's what anxiety was all about. So once I started to sort of unpack that and really look at the thought process behind it and saying, well, yeah, I may feel a lot of anxiety around giving this talk and perhaps the talk won't be like the best talk the audience has ever heard, but it also doesn't mean that it would be the worst talk that they ever heard. And, you know, chances are it'll probably be somewhere in that range of that spectrum. So, um, and which is a much more clearer way of looking at the situation rather than thinking about it from this binary perspective, I'm either going to be successful at giving this talk or I'm going to fail at it. Okay. And I'm curious in your work with mindfulness and meditation, do you get feedback from the profession frequently that, you know, self-care is for the weak? We know we're supposed to do self-care, but I think when you actually drill down on it, there's probably a fair amount of lawyers who are like, oh, no, I'm tough. I don't need self-care. There's, yeah. you know, there's still that aspect of people who will brag about pulling an all-nighter in the office and sleeping on their, um, on their couch in the office, yeah. things, like, things like that. So do you find that a fair amount? And what's your response? What I find often is that there's a segment of attorneys that always sort of took that path that you're describing. I'm a worrier. I, one of my favorite things lawyers say is I don't, I'm a lawyer. I don't have emotions. So that denial of um, their inner world, but you know, 
treating yourself in that way has a consequence, right? Your body has limitations. And often what I see is that a lot of those attorneys will sort of bump up against of either an illness or they'll start struggling with, you know, perhaps alcohol or substance abuse. And it's only when they sort of are faced with that kind of trauma that they realize, oh, self-care is important. I actually do have to take care of my body and my mind. So it's not like just telling yourself that you don't need to practice self-care makes it so. You know, It's just almost like a fundamental truth that you have to practice self-care. Okay. Very interesting. Well, that's about everything that I have for you today. I did want to ask you about your book. Can you tell us a bit about that? So my co-author, Karen Gifford, and I wrote a book for um, the American Bar Association titled The Anxious Lawyer. And it's really an introductory guide to anyone that's curious about mindfulness and meditation. And it's an eight-week self-guided program. Um, So you can uh, work through the program at your own pace and really integrate mindfulness and meditation into your life. It's not something that any one of us will ever master or be able to you know, get right after a certain amount of practice. And it is really about the practice, just like we practice law, um, mindfulness and meditation is a daily um, practice. So for anyone that's interested in learning more about mindfulness and meditation, um, you can check out the book. Got it. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward. You've been listening to the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.